The meat of live is Christ. The meat to die is gain. Every moment in between, there'll be joy and there'll be pain. I can't worry about the future or change a thing about my past. I've got this moment to believe and I'm gonna make it last. I am filled to be emptied. This is Pastor Michael Rogers from The Jar at 702 H Street Northeast in Ardmore, Oklahoma. Thank you for listening to our broadcast today. I just don't think we can do this enough. Let's pray one more time. Father, we come now to this moment when we get a chance to delve into your word and find out what you think, what, what you have had written, what you have let us know through the ages. And so what we pray, God, is that in this moment, right now, that you would remove Carrie and I from this teaching. Let only your truth pass through our lips. Father, if there's anything that comes from us, We pray that it's quickly forgotten, no matter how witty or smart or funny or or wise it sounds. If it's from us, God, we pray it's quickly forgotten. But if it's from you, if it rings with your truth, if it drips with your grace, then we pray, God, that it would take root in every heart, that we would be transformed, transfigured by you. In Jesus' name. All right, so since our grand opening in January, we have been slowly teaching on our core values, which describe what it means to be a disciple maker for Christ. And that word that we've been spelling out is the word filled, because here at the jar, we believe that we are filled to be emptied. So the F was for, am I fervently seeking after God? The I was for, am I invested? The two L's, the first one was learning. Am I continuing to learn about who God is? The second L was loving, and we learned how to love ourselves and love God and love our neighbors. Um, And then we began the letter E for expecting. What is God expecting of us? What are we expecting from him? And during our loving series last month, we talked about loving the Lord Lord your God with all your heart, soul, strength, and mind. And two weeks ago, we talked about, we started with the heart. And we said, be content in your heart where you are, where God has you in that moment. You need to be content. And then last week, we learned about the soul and guarding your soul, which is your, basically your identity. Your soul is, is that inner part of you that makes up who you are. And this week, we're continuing our series on loving God with our mind. And I think you guys are going to see as we continue to teach today that when Jesus said that phrase, for those of us who are already believers, we've heard that phrase, I don't know how many times, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. But I have to admit to you guys, as we've been studying this further, (laughs) I told Michael this morning, I said, (laughs) I don't know how anybody can deny that Jesus was who he says he was. Because as we're going through this study, I hope you guys are seeing too, that when he said that one phrase, it was so much 
more than you could possibly fathom <laughs> in just one sentence. I mean, there's no way that anyone could be that intelligent and be able to say and speak in such a way where he could put so much oomph into one sentence. That's right. And that's, that's right. how we know he was God. Um, so our consider question, every week we do a consider question. Um, of course, we're on the am I expecting to God, if, am I expecting God to move in real life? Because here at the JAR, we believe, our other phrase that we always say is we're connecting real life to, to our extraordinary, extraordinary God. God. Yes. Right? Let's be real with each other and real in ourselves and real in our relationship with God. That's right. So that he can show us all that he wants us to be. Our considered question for today is why do you think the way you do? Why do you think the way you do? And I'm just going to give you about 10 seconds to, to ponder that. All right. Today we are going to be in Romans. Um, I, I've got the last uh, few verses of chapter 11 up there, uh, but we're really focusing on Romans 12, 1 and 2. If you've been a believer for a while, you know what this passage is. You kind of know where we're headed. But I want to, for those of us who are, are still trying to put together how the Bible really works and, and, and how it's constructed, it's important for us to know what the book of Romans has done for us before we get to this place. Paul wrote this uh, letter to the Romans he was intending to visit, and he wanted them to understand what his sense of doctrine was. And, and most people would see this as the, the best version of what, what is Paul's doctrine of the faith? How does Paul understand what it means to follow Jesus? Um, and so I, I just want to give you a quick recap of that. We're just going to go through 11 chapters of Romans. We should be done about 8.30 tonight. Is that, <laughs> that work? Just kidding. Here, this is the really simple way to think of Romans. In Romans chapter 1, Paul says that the world has forsaken God. In Romans chapter 2, Paul says the Jews have also forsaken God, and they knew better. They had the law. In Romans chapter 3, he says that means there's not one person who's righteous except Jesus. Boy, it's a good thing he came to save us. In chapter 4, he says that means that faith is what saves us, not obedience. And he uses Abraham as an example of that. In chapter 5, he says, the reason we were this mess is because from the very beginning with Adam, sin came knocking and we kept answering. But now that Jesus is here, salvation has come through one man just as death came through one man and we can now have life. Chapter 6 says, so since we have this life, let us live the way that God wants us to live. In chapter 7, says this is how we used to do it when we were working through the law and we were trying to figure things out look how miserable we were we kept trying to do it the right way but we didn't do what we wanted to do and we didn't do what we would like to do and it was just a mess who can save us from this crazy life that we are living praise be to god we can have it through jesus christ and so in chapter 8 he starts out therefore there is now no condemnation in jesus christ and he tells us that there is an alternative to living under the law. We can live walking by the Spirit. And what a blessing that is. And one of the passages in there has to do with the song that we sang today, where he says, and God works all things for good for those people who love him and are called according to his purpose. And so in chapter 9, he says, look, I, don't be confused. 
the reason that the Jews had to be in the position they were in was so that the Gentiles could be saved. And in 10 and 11, he says, so this is how God is going to save the Jews as well. And he gets to the end of 11, and he is just so excited. He has just explained to us what salvation is, what walking in the Spirit is, and the fact that this is for all people, whether you're Jews or Gentiles. And he says, Oh, how great are God's riches and wisdom and knowledge. How impossible it is for us to understand his decisions and his ways. For who can know the Lord's thoughts? Who knows enough to give him advice? And who has given him so much that he needs to pay it back? For everything comes from him and exists by his power and is intended for his glory. All glory to him forever. Amen. Now, I typically like to use the ESV. And we use the, the New Living Translation here because that's a little easier for you guys to remember. But I took this verse 36 and it became like a tagline for all of my emails. For from him and through him and to him are all things. And what does all mean? All. All means all. From him are all things. He is the creator. Through him are all things. He is the spirit. To him are all things. The father deserves our glory. And that's where he is when he starts Romans 12, 1. And from this point, he starts telling us what it looks like to live this life that he has been asking us to live. Okay. So how we view God in our minds matters. A.W. Tozer said in, this, in his book, The Knowledge of the Holy, <clears throat> what comes into our minds when we think about God is the most important thing about us. We tend by a secret law of the soul to move toward our mental image of God. And so renewing our minds or changing the way we think is so important. So let's read this passage together in Romans. We're going to start in Romans chapter 12, verse 1. If you're there, say amen. amen. If you don't have a Bible, there are Bibles underneath your tables. Please grab that. If you don't own a Bible, take it with you. That's our gift to yes. you. Yes. Or you can pull up your YouVersion app. And uh, look up the scripture in there in your version app, which and, is free. And even okay. if you have a Bible, if you don't have this version that we use, the NLT, and you'd like to have a copy of that, please, please feel free. Yes. So beginning in uh, chapter 12, verse 1. And so, dear brothers and sisters, I plead with you to give your bodies to God because of all he has done for you. Let them be a living and holy sacrifice, the kind he will find acceptable. This is truly the way to worship him. Don't copy the behavior and customs of this world, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. Then you will learn to know God's will for you, which is good and pleasing and perfect. Amen. So let's, let's break this down. So beginning in uh, verse 1, he says, Dear brothers and sisters, I plead with you. And basically Paul here is try he's trying to get our attention. He's pleading. He's saying, now look, I'm trying to get you to understand what this spiritual life is all about. So pay attention. Yeah, he actually uses the same Greek word there that is often used to describe the spirit. When we, we read about the Holy Spirit being a comforter, the word is parakaleo, and it means to come alongside. And what he says here basically is, I come alongside you, brothers and sisters. Mm -hmm. I am not just... I'm one of you, and I'm coming with you in the middle of it, but I'm also one that's teaching you and leading you in how to do this. Mm -hmm. So then he goes on to say, because 
of all he has done for you. Mm. Or in some translations, it will say, by the mercies of God. That's right. And so he's appealing to the character of God. And really what he's saying is, I come alongside you. Mm -hmm. yes. Right? Yes. I come alongside you, and I am... I, I'm, I'm reminding you that the reason that you and I can do this together is because of God's compassion. Uh, the Greek word there, it really talks about compassion more than mercies. And it's not a lot of difference, but think about it. You, you can have mercy on someone and not be compassionate with them. To be compassionate with them, there's an intimate piece to that. Um, and so this is saying, God is so intimate with you. He cares so much about you. I want, you. I want to come alongside you. I don't want you to see. Because God is like this. So I like the way the NLT says this one. Mm -hmm. Because of all that God has already done for you, mm -hmm. this is what you can do for him. That's right. And then he says, let them be a living and holy sacrifice. Yes. So he's basically calling us to present our bodies as a living sacrifice. And he's, he's trying to get us to understand something from the past while reaching into the future. And what I mean by that is that sacrifices were something that was first initiated by God in Genesis chapter 3 with Adam and Eve when God sacrificed the first animal to cover their sin. And then later when sacrificing an animal in the Old Testament, according to God's law, a priest would kill the animal, place it on the altar as an offering to God. And then the ultimate sacrifice of Jesus Christ then finally came after that, which was his only son. And he took the place. He was the lamb, right? We Often as believers, we say the lamb. And that's because he's taken the place of those animal sacrifices that weren't once were happening. So and during those years between the first and ultimate sacrifice, God was trying to teach us and an imprint in our minds the importance of sacrifice all through the Old Testament and why it was so important. So those sacrifices, for those of you who may be not yet's, we call them not yet's, people who have not said yes to Jesus yet or don't have maybe have never stepped foot in church before, those that are listening on the podcast and the radio, that we these sacrifices offered what we call an atonement. Yes. Right, a payment for our sins. But now Paul wants us to understand here that it's our body that is our sacrifice now, not the animal. It's your physical being. All It's all your physical nature. Everything that you are, you're offering to God. And it's That's perfect good. because next week we're going to be talking about strength. That's right. Right? And so it just flows right into that. So keep that in your pocket of your mind for next week mm -hmm. because we'll be talking more about that. But God wants us to offer ourselves, not animals, like I stated before, as living sacrifice, putting aside our own desires to follow him. And we do this out of gratitude, right, that our sins have been forgiven because none of us are perfect. Yes. We're, never gonna, we're never going to be perfect. It's not a debt of gratitude. I've, I've used that phrase even in my own preaching that we have a debt of gratitude. But the truth is we have no debt. The truth is God's gift you're right, is you're right. free, so we don't have a debt of gratitude. Having said that, because of what he's done for us, we may have this overwhelming urge to respond to what he has done. And so what we're, Paul is saying here is, instead of dying for your, your sacrifice, live for your sacrifice, and live in such a way that you are responding mm -hmm. to what God has done for you. Right, right. So let so we looked at that again, verse 1. Let them be a living and holy sacrifice, the kind he will find acceptable. <laughs> this is truly the way to worship him. And so 
And some say holy and acceptable to God, but it says, which, which is your spiritual worship? Here's the thing. If you want to know what worship is, it's not the person who's standing on the stage with the guitar and skinny jeans on. Yes. Yeah. But it's not, the, it's not the person that's up on the stage playing the guitar or the bass or singing or anything like that, right? It's, it's, it's so much more. It's the beauty of sacrifice that it takes. When we worship, I'm not saying you have to worship with your hands held high and, and your whole body. At the same time, though, there's something very freeing and beautiful when you do that. Right? Mm -hmm. But you can also worship with your heart and your soul and with your mind. And so he's saying, use your body, use your mind, use your soul, use your heart, use everything that I've yeah. given you to worship. Yeah, yeah, worship with all of you. And if, if you actually look into, I know I, I do this a lot, but it just fascinates me. Jesus came in the fullness of time and God used the Greek language because it is so flexible and so helps us understand why he's saying what he's saying. So the actual Greek here says your reasonable service. What worship is, is recognizing what God's done for you and going, man, isn't it reasonable that he would ask me to do this? If he's done all of this for me, is it really out of the question that he would ask me to be obedient to him? Is it really out of the question that he would ask me to give him praise and worship? Is it really out of the question for him to decide that he may have uh, uh, things for me to do in my life that maybe even go against the grain of who I think I am? Maybe he's trying to ask me to get out of my comfort zone. Is that really too much to ask for him to because he's done so much for me, could he really ask me to do anything that I couldn't say yes to? And that's what it means to worship. It's, it's an understanding of the worth of God, so much so that everything you do becomes a reflection of how you feel about what he's done for you. And all of a sudden, you become a reflection of him. Can I say something about that too? Yes. Being a, a new church plant, a baby baby church. Yes, baby jar. Um, you know, we have, we have a little small worship team here at four o'clock and I've said this before and I'll say it again I think it's really important because we've got to learn to not expect everyone else to do it for us mm. we need to be able to worship God with our whole body and our whole being and I think sometimes we rely so much on the people that are up on the platform mm. that we don't learn how to worship in our car or yes. worship in our bedroom or worship in the bathroom when you're getting ready I, I play more worship songs than when I get <laughs> Get ready, probably than any other time, right? I can, and it's I just a time of reflection. And I think it's really important that we learn how to be self-disciplined in that. Um, don't get me wrong. I mean, I get up here and I sing and I love it. I love worshiping God with everything that I have. Um, but I also understand that I need to worship him when I'm not on the platform too. Yes. And not expecting people on the platform to do that for me. So I just wanted, I wanted to say that. That's good. That's good. So, so I, Today, I'm doing something a little different that I haven't done before. Um, I'm a little nervous about it um, because, like I said, I haven't done it before. We want you to know that the first verse really says, because of all that God has done, be his. But I thought it might be beneficial for you today. Uh, have you guys ever heard of the, the version of the message and Eugene Peterson like did the whole Bible basically and how he would paraphrase it? Well, today you get the Rogers paraphrase of 12.1. Are you ready for this? Romans 12.1. <laughs> Here's how I would paraphrase what we've been teaching you. I come alongside you and ask because of God's compassion on you that you respond by serving him, showing him to the world as you stay close to him. Isn't that a reasonable way to worship him for what he has done? Amen. 
And I think that helps to encapsulate what we're trying to teach you because once you get a hold of that, then you're like, okay, this might be something I can do. Because let's be honest, when we think of worshiping God and serving God, a lot of times we do think of not just people on the stage who are doing the worship, but the preachers and the teachers and the, you know, the people who are out there, the missionaries, the uh, people who are helping the uh, homeless shelters and things like that. And we don't, really don't realize that every single one of us has been called to something. That's we right. are all That's on right. mission and we are all meant to be disciple makers. We are not necessarily meant to get a lot of fame and fortune out of it, but we do get reward. And the reward is being closer to him and closer to him and closer to him as we learn what it feels like to look in their eyes and see them the way Jesus sees them. Yeah. So God has plans for you, and they are good. Let's look at verse 2 together. Don't copy the behavior and customs of this world, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way that you think. And then it says, well, I should say this, by changing the way you think, then you will learn how God's will for you, which is good and pleasing and perfect. So our refusal to conform to this world, it goes deeper than just behaviors and customs. Right. It's really identifying with the world. And that's yes. really what this, this particular phrase is saying, is that you're identifying with the world. You're not just saying, I'm a part of it. I am only in it. And I think it was interesting that it said identifying with the world because last week we talked about that your soul is your identity. Yes. Right? And who you are. And so knowing that your soul belongs to him and that your soul has been created to yearn for him, for yes, God. Yes. Um, and knowing that, what we learned from last week, then to see that what this is saying is don't identify with the world, identify with me. Right. I'm the one that's most important, not what's in the world. So he's forming us and he's changing us and he's shaping us always till that we take our last breath. So we take our life. I don't care if you've been an already believer since you were two days old. (laughs) (laughs) I grew up in the church my whole life, but that doesn't mean anything. Right? I'm always, God is always forming me and changing me and shaping me into who I'm supposed to be. But how does that happen? It happens by changing the way that you think. Mm. Yeah, I I I love this because I guys I'm getting I'm getting used to being a fourth grade teacher. Pray for me. Um, I love these kids, and I love, I love how they are all getting under my skin, and I, I just love getting to see them now and see their faces and know all their names. I learned their names faster than I learned names in the church. I don't know why that is. But I had like 70 kids, and I knew all their names within the first couple of days. Um, but here's the thing. I know because I watch them that they often copy the behavior of the people around them. They, they very quickly, like if one kid is really razzing the teacher, the rest of them are laughing and ready to ask the teacher too. But if one kid starts treating the teacher with respect, that also has an effect on the kids around them. And so I just realized that even when we're young, we don't even know the concepts yet, but we are still falling prey to peer pressure and we are still sometimes leading by example. And what this passage says is, look, it doesn't just say don't copy the customs of this world. It says don't buy into all the things that they are trying to teach you. Don't let them tell you that you can have your own truth. God says my truth is the truth. And if you will conform to that, if you will buy into that, then it will keep you from the mistakes that you can make otherwise. So it's just like that fourth grader who's doing it right 
has a, some fourth graders around them that are also doing it right, they start having an influence on the rest of the class. And what I've started noticing is if I am more, if I'm more appreciative of the ones showing me respect instead of punitive for the ones who are not showing me respect, they listen to me even more. Mm -hmm. And I believe, I, I just get a sense that that's how God sees us. You know, and I tell God, hey, God, these kids aren't listening to me. And God's like, yeah, <laughs> how's it feel? <laughs> you know, how, how does that feel? Does that yeah. feel? That doesn't feel good, right? Yeah. So you should listen to me, right? Yeah. Thanks, God. That's why I was wanting to say that. But the second part of that is it says, let God transform you into a new person. But mm -hmm. that word is the exact same word that's used to talk about Jesus's transfiguration when he's on the mountain. It's the exact same word. When Peter and James and John got a chance to see Jesus transfigured. It was almost, he was almost unrecognizable. He was he's shining white. I, I believe they got to see what Jesus is going to look like at the second coming in that moment. He had become completely altered. He was transformed. He was transfigured. God says, you can have that too. I'm getting goosebumps. That's good preaching. <laughs> we can have that too, yes. right here, right now. We can see we heaven, we can be heavenly, and we can bring heaven here if we will let him transform the way we think. Mm -hmm. So what Paul's saying here is be alert for God's truth. Yes. Be alert for God's truth. And something else I want to bring out too is that, that renewal of the mind. Some translations say that by testing you may discern. Mm, yeah. Okay. Yeah. So now here's the process. You're testing, you're discerning what is the will of God, what is good and pleasing or acceptable yeah. is what a lot of translations yeah. say and perfect and that word perfect there actually means inevitable will yes his inevitable will in other words it's god yeah. <laughs> his it's, will it, is going to come through it's what okay? he what he intends to happen mm -hmm. you will understand what he intends to happen if you will pause and be transformed and look at things his way yeah so what we're doing in the confines of our mind is we're constantly putting to the test the things of this life, the things of this world, over and over and over again. We're not just accepting any truth that anyone tells us. We're putting everything to the test, and we're discerning it against God's word so that we can know the will of God. And what is the will of God? Things that are good and pleasing and perfect. And, and, and finish to his mm -hmm. end. So here's the Rogers paraphrase of verse 2. It, yes. <laughs> Don't identify with the world's version of truth. Instead, be transfigured like Jesus by the truth of Jesus, completing what he did for you by rethinking how you live your life until you understand completely what he wants you to experience. That way, you can figure out the good things he planned for you, the things that he can be proud of you for doing, the ones that bring about the end that he has in mind. Mm, yes. So we have to root ourselves into the truth of God, day by day, moment by moment, second by second, breath by breath. That means that we're alert and spiritually aware at all times. That's a tall order, isn't it? To be in a constant state of renewing our mind, that can be tough. And so for just a minute, I want us to look at the medical perspective, or really the biochemical perspective, of our minds so that we can truly understand how hard it is to renew our mind. Okay. Now some of you are thinking, now Carrie, I already know this. <laughs> I've dealt with addiction. I've dealt with 
alcohol. I've dealt with, you know, whatever the sin is that I can't get out of my mind, okay? But I want you to understand, I want you to see why God brings this up to us is because he understands us. He knows. He made us. And he knows how our minds work. So I have this um, illustration I want to share with you guys. So about five or six years ago, there was an episode of Jeopardy where they brought onto the show some of the greatest contestants who ever played on Jeopardy. And they were going to compete against the world's greatest supercomputer. And that supercomputer was invented by IBM, and his name was Watson. Watson was a supercomputer that weighed 10,000 pounds at the time. It was made up of over 700 servers full of eight core processors. So we're talking about a massive supercomputer that was supposed to be as smart as the human brain. And at the end of the show, of course, Watson won. But there was a lot of debate about why Watson won. And was he essentially as smart as the human brain? But he is so different from the human brain. Our human brain, remember he weighed about 10,000 pounds, Watson, right? But our human brain weighs about three pounds and has a data capacity of about 1.25 terabytes. And it can perform functions at 100 teraflops per second. That's 100 trillion points of operation per second happening in your brain. And if you're actually using it right now (laughs) and not sleeping, it's functioning at a very similar speed to that. So, I mean, that's pretty phenomenal. I'm just thinking. And if you have ADD like me, double all those numbers. Yeah. So what's different between the brain and Watson's is number one, it's highly portable. You can take your brain anywhere. Yes. Hopefully. Some of us leave it behind. Yeah. <laughs> <clears throat> Number two, it experiences emotions. Watson could do, not do that. Number three, it can rewire itself as it learns. I've seen that working in the medical field for people who've had stroke. If they catch it early enough with the right medications and they're able to do therapy, it's amazing for some people. They can come completely back to what they were before and solid rock we have a miracle in their congregation who can confess to that brandon who was at our block party yesterday i turned to one of the the folks that was sitting there next to us and i said this guy right here is a miracle yes a true miracle i said he was hooked up to every machine i've ever seen we went up to icu to to pray over him and i've never seen those that many machines hook up to one person even when my dad had his open heart surgery i didn't see that much and we prayed over him and and i leaned down to him and i said don't you go don't you go (laughs) and we prayed in the name of jesus and he was there yesterday and it was like it never happened i mean god really healed him and so we've seen that happen so the brain has the capacity to heal itself um, and rewire itself also as it learns and then number four generally it is the most sophisticated piece of machinery ever known to man and over the last few decades we've learned a lot about how it functions and we're still learning more you know I work with patients with Alzheimer's all the time and it's fascinating to me the recesses of the mind even when when it's diseased what it will do to protect itself what it will do to bring up a memory it's pretty phenomenal but one of the things we've learned about its function is that when the alarm center of the brain goes off which is called the amygdala It fires and releases adrenaline and it begins to communicate to the hippocampus neurons that are in them. 
and from there the hypothalamus I think I said that right yeah and it's sending these messages around our brain and when it does this alarm center goes off which dec actually decreases the functioning of the prefrontal cortex the prefrontal cortex is our behaviors our personality where we keep things Make I decisions. always say when I teach dementia classes to when I worked in a nursing home I used to say it's the Jiminy Cricket of your mind <laughs> right it's the uh, uh, don't do that yes do that it's behaviors it's personality right it's, so it also doesn't fully develop until you're like 25 26 27 <laughs> Correct. so that's why your kids even to even 26. into the early adulthood, is it 26? It's 26. Even into adulthood, they make dumb decisions sometimes because right. they haven't fully developed who they are. And that's physiological as well as their hearts and their spirits and the, all of that's that. That's right. So which means in human non-biological carry language, that when the alarm center of your brain goes off, your emotions and emergency responders begin to react. That means that your ability to strategize and reason goes way, way, way down. So in essence, when you sin, because what is sin? What have we taught? What is sin? Missing the mark. Missing the Missing mark. The Very mark. good. Gold star for Patsy today. Yes. <laughs> Missing the mark. So in essence, when you sin, when you miss the mark and everything is out of whack in your emotions and in your soul and in your mind, the ability for you to reason and function at your best goes way down. And when you are out of line with the truth, and your conscience begins to grab hold of your life, becomes out of control, and your functioning for reason is all out of whack. This is very interesting, isn't it, in the light of this passage? So when I am convicted by something I'm doing wrong, or my perspective is off, God wants me to pray about it. He wants me to confess it to him and line up with his truth. That's not quite right. Something's off. I need to rethink that and realign my heart, my soul, and my mind. Because God's truth allows the full functioning not only of the mind but of my soul, and when my life is aligned with his truth, then I am offering my body, which is the thing that wants to grab a hold of my life, and I am not conforming that body to the world, but I am transforming it by the renewal of my mind or the changing of my mind to offer myself as a living sacrifice to God. So you are you start, starting to see how the heart and the, the soul, soul and the mind and the body are all connected? Yes, yes. They're all connected, and Jesus understood that. Yes. He understood that, right? Because he's God, and God made us, and we are in the image of him. Of him. Basically, we just got a peek at the owner's manual. <laughs> That's right. So what's happening in those moments when I'm reading God's word and I'm renewing my mind or changing the way I think I get in here because I realize something's off, something's not right. I've got to find the answer, whether it goes, you know, I'm going to go on my Uversion app and I'm going to look up depression because it's bringing me down. And I don't know, it, something's off kilter. And I go in there and I look it up and these, these verses and these phrases pop up and these studies pop up. I'm renewing my mind. I'm reminding myself. I'm resetting the soul. I'm renewing my mind and I'm offering myself as a sacrifice. Why? So it'll be good and pleasing to God, acceptable to him. And that's why realigning ourselves, you know, be willing to realign, be willing to be to do what God is asking you to do in that action is important. Absolutely. And so there is um, 
another piece of that whole physiological part of the brain is a thing that they now call neuroplasticity. And all of that mean all that means is no matter how your thinking has worked before, your brain has the capacity to find new ways to think. It will always so you know that old thing you can't teach an old dog new tricks? Yeah. That is a lie. It is. Mm -hmm. That is a lie that is meant to give us cover right. for refusing to change the things that God wants us to change. You can teach an old dog new tricks. Well, I don't know about a dog, but human beings definitely can learn new things. And so it's important, and that's why it's important for us to be alert to God's truth, to recognize that it's God's truth we're seeking after. It's not just a sense of truth that's good for me. Because what we always do, and like, like she said earlier, the Tozer quotation, our mental image of God is what we end up moving toward. St. Augustine who uh, said a lot of really neat things, also said this. When we look into the Bible and we only listen to the things that we agree with, we're not agreeing with God. We're agreeing with ourselves. Right. And what we need to do instead is to recognize that probably the things that we like least about what's in the Word are the things that we need to hear the most. And that... that friction, that movement, that chipping away, that, you know, it's like God has his chisel and his hammer and he's chipping away at the pieces of us that he has to get off of us in order to reveal the sculpture that's inside, the beauty of what's inside. So we start out as that block of stone because that's all we know to protect ourselves. And he says, there is something inside there that I created. I want to reach in and find it. And so I'm gonna use my hammer and chisel. I'm gonna knock this piece off here and this right. piece off here right. and get to the place where I get down to the heart of the stone where that flesh is. And the way you let me do that is by being willing to be transformed and transfigured by me. To get my heart right and to have my identity in Jesus means that I must renew my mind. And so, this is three-point process. Number one, confess it. Just admit that you're struggling with taking a piece of your life and putting it at God's feet. There's a part of me, God, that I don't want to give you. Please help me. The second is rethink it. Find out what God says about it and start working on how God says to do it. Listen, this is the hardest thing for us because the first thing we wanna do is defend ourselves because we already feel guilty enough. We already are trucking in shame. We already know that, that we are not perfect. And so when somebody starts showing us that we're not perfect, our first response is to fight them for it so that we don't feel so bad. God says, stop that, admit it, rethink it. Maybe you've been wrong about this. Maybe there's another way to look at it. And then after you've confessed it and you've rethought it, just choose differently. Do the new thing. Instead of doing what you've always done and expecting to get a different result, try what God is saying and see if that doesn't work. Now, I don't know about you guys, but I have always had in my life mentors and good people who have been willing to speak into my life. And I have almost always thought they were full of it when they first told me things that I needed to know. And I have always had to come back to them later and ask for their forgiveness for the way I treated them when they tried to tell me the truth. 
But if I have been diligent and I go and I do what they showed me that God wants me to do, it has always been a blessing for me. There's a parable that Jesus told that God just gave me. There were two sons. The father went to one son and he said, hey, go work out in the fields for me today. And the son said, I'm not going to do it. But later he went out and did the work. And then there was another son. And he went to his second son and he said, hey, go out into the field and work for me today. And the son said, I'm on it. But he never went and did it. Which one obeyed his father? It isn't how we respond at first. It's how we respond in the end that matters. I want to say this too. I feel like I need to... Um We've talked about this before, but those three steps, they are, they're a process. For some of us, we all have things in our lives that we need to work on. And some things are easy to go through that three-step process and, and we're done. Yeah. You know, I, I'm not gonna eat pizza anymore. Oh, <laughs> maybe I shouldn't have picked that one. Yeah. Maybe I should pick donuts. What are you doing to us? <laughs> You know, I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna eat a donut anymore, right? I mean, and oh, it just went worse. I know. I'm sorry, but I can't think of the right yeah. way to say no, it. No, go. No, you're you're right. You're, you're right. You're but right. for some of us, there's some things we need to give up, or we need to let go of, or we need to change, and they're easy to do. But there are some things in our lives that are not, and just that first step of confessing it. Sometimes people, I, I've had people say to me before that's just too hard Yeah. because if I confess it then it becomes real and when it becomes real then I have to do something about it and I just want to encourage you to know that there's a lot of people who have been shamed to believe that if they confess it before God that somehow he's going to hold that against them or that he's going to love them less that is a lie from the enemy. If you, he already knows. <laughs> he already knows. And so he wants you to confess it to him. He wants you to tell him. Because not to judge you, but to say, okay, baby girl, I got you. And let, let me help you. I want you to be all that I have created you to be. And now that you've given it up to me, now I can transform you into who I want you to become. And I know there, I can, I know there are times in my life when God has done that with me, where I finally give it up. And then all of a sudden, all these blessings come flowing down because I finally gave it up and I confessed it and said, Abba, Daddy, I screwed up here and I need your help. I need you to help me with this thing that I am struggling with. And so I just want to encourage you that if you have been taught that if you confess it, that somehow God's going to hold it even more against you, that's a lie. And I come against that in the name of Jesus. I want to encourage you. He is, you are his child. You are his daughter, his son. He wants to know your heart and your mind. Amen. Amen. And he wants all of you just like he's given all of him mm-hmm. to you. And that's what this passage is saying. But I, I just felt like I needed to, yeah. First to John, say that. 1 John 1, starting in verse 5. This is the message we heard from Jesus and now declare to you. God is light and there is no darkness in him at all. 
So we are lying if we say we have fellowship with God, but we go on living in spiritual darkness. We are not practicing the truth. But if we are living in the light as God is in the light, then we have fellowship with each other and the blood of Jesus, his son, cleanses us from all sin. If we claim we have no sin, we are only fooling ourselves and not living in the truth. But if we confess our sins to him, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all wickedness. We're not asking for forgiveness for God. We're asking, he's, at, he's telling us do this so that it's for you. Yes. I want you to be everything you're supposed to be. So when you confess it and you rethink it and you ask God for that, it's not about, it's not going to change who he is. Right. He's unchanging, but it has the power to change you. And that's why he's telling us to do that. Not for him. Not because he's ego, ego yes. maniac God out yeah. there that says you got to do this or else. Yes. He's doing it because he loves us and he wants us to be all that he intended us to be. Yeah. He's not saying, if you don't want me to hate you, do this. He's saying, I love you so much that I want this for you. So here is a, a final Rogers paraphrase. It's Titus chapter 3, verses 3 to 7. I am going to just read it slowly. We, too, were unthinking, unpersuaded, directionless, serving our feelings and whatever felt good, passing the time by stepping on people and wanting what they have, being nasty and holding grudges. But when we realized what we really needed was God's love, he saved us by his favor not our efforts, washing away our old life and making us new by drenching us in the Holy Spirit through Jesus so that we are legally approved to inherit the hope of an eternal life with our Father. That is what it means to believe in the gospel. The good news is you do not need to live in shame. But the good news also is he loves you too much to just save you. He wants to also make you new. Thanks for listening to this episode of The Jar with Pastors Michael and Carrie Rogers. If you're a believer in Christ looking for an opportunity to learn how to be a disciple maker, come see us at 702 H Street Northeast in Ardmore, Oklahoma. Our regular gatherings start on Sundays at 4 p.m. so you can still make it to see us today. Hope to see you soon. I am filled To be empty